0: We're in the middle of our remnant series, and in this series what we're doing is talking about this idea that we find ourselves caught in the margins of culture a bit as God's people. So now what do we do? First four weeks of this series I talked about the reality of being a remnant and acknowledging that and so that we begin to uh, see culture rightly and then interact with culture in a a, a wise way. The the next four weeks of this series, and and we're in the middle of that four weeks right now, we're talking about some virtues that we need to live out in order to uh, significantly impact the times we find ourselves in. And today we're in the second week of that, and we're going to talk about the virtue of civility. And basically, this is a subset of the great commandment. In the great commandment, we're told by the Lord Jesus that the first thing we ought to do is love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then he said we're to love our neighbor as ourselves. Well, what does it mean to love your neighbor as yourself? Well, that's what we're kind of talking about this morning. So with that set up, we're ready to dive into the message today. I think we live in a loud, angry culture right now. And words turn into threats, and threats often turn into violence. Um, And at an international level, we've seen some escalation recently between the United States and North Korea, where words have been exchanged, and now they're turning into threats. Hopefully, it doesn't turn into violence. But a a while back, the Washington Post had this to say about an exchange that took place. In the latest war of words between the United States and North Korea, Kim did not pull any punches, but he may have pulled out an old dictionary. He said, I will surely and definitely tame the mentally deranged U.S. daughter with fire. Kim declared in an unusually direct and angry statement published by North Korea's official Korean Central News Agency. The North Koreans leaded warning about fire, which echoed President Trump's August statement threatening fire and fury, was par for the course in the increasingly tense relationship. Trump announced new financial sanctions to further isolate the country as its nuclear and ballistic missile capabilities rapidly escalate. But Kim's use of the word datar was what raised eyebrows, prompting people around the world to Google the old-time insult. Merriam-Webster defines the noun as a person in his or her dotage which is the state or period of senile decay marked by decline of mental poise and alertness. I mean, it was very insulting. And we could see on an international level, can't we? Words can lead to what? Threats and can lead to then violence. The world tends to escalate. There tends to be this incivility that's taking place. And this kind of angry, threatening exchange is by no means limited to the level of nations. It's a far too common everyday exchange that takes place. It just seems that our culture today is less patient than it used to be. At times, what I think is going on are people are just 100% unaware of anyone around them. They're so caught up in their own little world and sometimes it's a blatant disregard for others And their well-being. I don't I don't think it's much of a stretch to say that we live in times where incivility is on the increase. So I would say we have a state of the nation going on that could be summarized this way. People have a tendency to think of themselves but not others. That's the state of the nation that we live in right now. This is the root, by the way, of incivility when you just don't think of others. You think of yourself, but you really just don't give any thought to anybody else. Civil means that I'm a courteous and polite person. It deals with the right treatment of others. Let me give you an example of how incivility is taking place using driving as our case study. I wanna begin with a picture that says it all. So if they'll throw out the picture up here. There you go. Picture's worth a thousand words, right? That definitely was. And look, the guy in the car looks like he's actually enjoying it. Look at his face. This is incivility, you know, in a picture format. Think on this with me for a few moments. When it comes to driving, how incivility can be demonstrated. If you pull out, now I know none of you would do this, okay? So first of all, I'm not thinking of anybody here. Just want you to know that. So if you pull out in front of somebody, making them slow down or even stop, You are not thinking of them at all, are you? You're thinking of your own schedule. Oftentimes when that takes place, and at least when it happens to me, I'll look in my rear mirror and I think, there's nobody for three blocks behind me. What was the urgency of pulling out right in front of me? But that is because I have concluded, and my dear wife has said this to me, it's not that they're being nasty or mean to you, they're just 100% unaware, Okay. They're not thinking about it, and they're thinking about the consequences of their actions. When you, now, I, I live on the corner of Summit and Western and Powderhorn, and I get to pick up trash a lot because it's stop signs and places to stop. Listen, when you create trash in your car, the civil thing to do is to keep it in your car and throw it away in a garbage can later on. Chucking it out your window means... I am thinking someone else should pick up my trash. I don't have time or I just don't want to bother with it. When a funeral possession goes by and it irritates you, does it irritate any of you? You won't raise your hand for that, will you? It irritates me, but I'm beginning to think this way. What if that was my mom's funeral possession going by? I would show some respect. It wouldn't irritate me so much. Here's a fun one, we see this every now and then when you pull up to a corner, even in little town of Brookings. When your music is freely shared at the stoplight with others, you may be thinking, I just wanna share the good thing that I'm enjoying. But perhaps it'd be more considerate to turn the music down just a bit so I can hear my own music. Think on that a minute, right? Here's, here's a no-no, do not ding the car next to you as you open your door. Don't go, boom, okay, now we're open. That's not cool. Here's my favorite, though, maybe. When you're driving down the road, putting on makeup, or texting, or, I saw this just the other day, turned around 180 degrees looking in the back seat, you just scare the rest of us. That's just a scary moment. Driving is kind of an easy target when it comes to incivility. We can see it readily. I want to talk to you this morning about a remnant distinctive. A remnant distinctive. Okay, now remember, when I use that word remnant, I mean we find ourselves, push the margin of culture, a small part of something, all right? A remnant distinctive for us who are faithful to God can be this. The remnant can distinguish themselves by the respect for and civility towards others. If we begin to truly respect other people and have civility towards other people, we will distinguish ourselves. Does that sound very hard? It isn't. It's actually kind of easy to do. If we will just respect other people and we will treat them kindly, we will distinguish ourselves. Let me talk to you about some scripture here. It's Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 through 40. Listen to these words of the Lord Jesus. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, i got to give some explanation. I just can't do this. Uh, read the scripture while I'm giving some explanation. So hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, whenever you hear the word Sadducees in the Bible, you should think sad you see because they don't believe in the resurrection. So Jesus has silenced this group of leaders. Um, they were Sadducees because they don't believe in the resurrection. They're the Sadducees. Then the Pharisees, Pharisees excuse me, got, on the, got on the scene. Now the Pharisees aren't fair, you see, because they're all about the law. So the Pharisees got together, and one of them, guess what? An expert in the law tested Jesus with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And he gave them some bonus thoughts here. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and all the prophets hang on these two commandments. So basically, this expert of the law, this Pharisee who's all about law, came to the Lord Jesus and said, hey, when you drill down on it, what's the most important thing that we can do? And Jesus said, love God and what? Love people. Here's what we're talking on this morning. Loving people. What does that look like? When Jesus tells you and I, Love other people. Does that mean we go around hugging them? I pray not. Does that mean we have to have, you know, this silly sloppy emotionalism going on all the time? What does it mean to love people? When we read we ought to love people, how does that practically play itself out in our lives? That's what today is really all about. That's what we're going to talk on this morning. The virtue of loving other people people actually lived out in our lives. If we say we love others, but we treat them poorly, it doesn't matter what you say, it's gonna ring hollow, isn't it? If you tell your neighbor, I love you, and then you treat him poorly, he's not gonna believe what you say, he's gonna believe how you act. Listen, if we truly love other people, it will provide us a powerful platform for the proclamation of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, because we will look so distinctly different from most of culture if we just love others. So how do we love well? I think the ABCs, the fundamental beginning point of loving others is civility and respect. We begin to treat people civil with respect. It's the beginning point of loving others. It's when we don't escalate a situation by incivility, we will be distinctly different from what happens so oftentimes in our culture. And guess what? Even though we're not in the mainstream, maybe maybe we find ourselves marginalized over here, when we begin to be distinctly different in this regard, people will wonder why. And they may ask you, why are you different? Why don't you raise your voice? Why don't you yell? Why don't you swear at others when you get mad like everybody else does? Why are you so distinctly different? And you will have a moment, a moment of significant proclamation of why you're different as you share, I follow Jesus Christ. I love the Lord and I love people because of Jesus Christ. And it all begins simply by showing respect and civility as a way of loving others. As we do this, we remnant people will distinguish ourselves, we really will, from the rest of culture. Now, a lot of the Bible talks on respecting others and the importance of respecting others, and I find it fascinating and enlightening and supportive of what I've shared thus far that when you go to Old Testament books like Leviticus, and, and, and we're being taught in Leviticus about what it means to serve a holy God and be holy like the Lord God, that a big piece of that is how we treat others. And here's why I say this. If you go to Leviticus chapter 19 and read verses 1 through 3 and then jump down to verses 9 through 18, you'll see that holiness, for you and I, if we want to be a holy people following a holy God, it will involve civility and respect. Listen to what it says. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the entire assembly of Israel and say to them, be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. There's the context of this chapter of Leviticus. We are to be holy because the Lord God is holy. That's what this chapter of the Bible is about. Listen to the next verse. Each of you must, what? Respect your mother and father. And you must observe my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. Holiness is played out by how we treat other people. If you don't get it from this verse, jump down to verse nine. When you reap the harvests of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. What? Think of others. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. I am the Lord your God. Do not steal from others. Do not lie. To others. Are you getting the context of this? Do not deceive one another. Do not fear, uh, swear falsely by my name and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. Do not defraud or rob your neighbor. Do not hold back the wages of a hired worker overnight. Do not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block in front of the blind. But fear your God. I am the Lord. Do not pervert justice. Do not show partiality um, to the poor, favoritism to the great, but judge your neighbor fairly. Do not go about spreading slander among your people. Do not do anything that endangers your neighbor's wife or life and wife. (laughs) I am the Lord. Had to recover quickly there. Do not hate a fellow Israelite in your heart. Rebuke your neighbor frankly so you're not sharing their guilt. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people. Listen. Listen to what it says. How does it conclude? but love your neighbor as yourself. Does that sound familiar? I'm the Lord. We're right back to the great commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's been flushed out there for us. It's by the proper treatment of people around us that we illustrate that we are serving a holy God in holiness. Now, holiness just means I'm set apart to God. I'm for God's purposes. And of course, holiness involves a deep reverence for God and setting him apart in that one position of honor in your life. That's part of holiness. But another piece of holiness is what? How I actually treat you and how you treat one another and me. That's a big piece of holiness. So support for the distinctive that we're talking about today. If we're going to be distinct in our culture right now, respect and civility, need to be part of that equation. Holiness in Leviticus is related to treatment of others. It's a support for this distinctive that I'm talking about uh, with you this morning. These are practical statements about treating others rightly so that they thrive, so they do well. See, we're going to look very different if we do this. We're going to stand out in a godly way. This treatment like this of others will help them thrive. And we're going to look an awful lot like the Lord Jesus Christ when we do this. And we're going to create for ourselves a platform that distinguishes us from most of culture. And eventually people will make their way to you and say, why are you so different? Then be ready to give an answer for the hope you have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I know that oftentimes people don't deserve your respect. Sometimes people be downright rude to you. Hear this, please. We don't treat them because they merit it this way. We treat them this way because we love Jesus Christ. And people are made in the image of God. And when we treat and honor them accordingly, then we're honoring our God and we're honoring the Lord Jesus Christ can I just share something with you from my heart? It isn't that hard to be polite. Right? Boy, you're quiet. I know it's rained a lot, but today's sunny. Woohoo! Thank you, Kelsey. It happens every third or fourth week in South Dakota. We get a sunny day. No, we normally have a lot of sunny weather, don't we? It's just been a rainy fall. Some of you farmers know that way better than I do. But... But it isn't that hard to be polite. It isn't that hard to be courteous. It isn't that hard to show some deference and some respect, to be civil. And when we do that, we're couldn't stand out. You're going to look like a rock star. And it's just kind of easy. The question becomes, will the culture dictate to us our mood or will Christ Jesus dictate to us our mood, amen? And I pray it's the latter. So we have this instructive word of Leviticus here. Here's a bunch of things we do to be civil and respectful. Then we get to the New Testament, and the Lord Jesus Christ takes these kind of external laws and, and, you know, that kind of more external look at, 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 at what it means to be a follower of God, and he brings it right to where the heart to more of a transformative kind of understanding, and that's where I want to go here next in the message with you this morning. I want to go right to Matthew chapter five, and I want to begin to talk to you about our hearts, because our hearts need to really, really, actually care about other people and how we treat other people. So listen to what Jesus teaches in Matthew chapter five, verses twenty-one through twenty-six. You have heard it. Uh, you have heard that it was said to people long ago, "You shall not murder," and anyone who murders shall be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you're offering a gift at the altar and there, remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. and Then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you're still uh, together on the way. Or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison to they tell you you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. So there's fur- further clarification here by Jesus Christ of, of right treatment of others, of the importance of that right treatment of others. He clarifies that right treatment of others is a heart matter. It is a h- indicative of the heart. It is a heart matter. I think we can all agree that murder is wrong. Amen? Yep, that was weak. But get this. We can smile and we can be polite because we're Midwesterners. And we can look at somebody and we can fake it really well. And we can say, how's your day going? Mine's going great. And we can have all this interaction in our mind thinking I could care less about you. You know? And that should not be the case. Because Jesus wants our heart. He wants it to truly care about other people. So if you find yourself going, "Ah, I really do not want to talk to you right now, but I'm going to fake it. You have a heart issue and you need some heart surgery. You need some transformation to take place. And you need to begin to rend your heart before the Lord God and let him do a work of changing in you so that you begin to really care about people and that you're good treatment of them is not external only, it's also internally motivated by your love and devotion to Jesus Christ spilling out into your actions of your life. Practically speaking, don't be angry with others. Don't speak angry words. Don't do it. It just doesn't help anything. It's really difficult to show civility and respect when you're angry with somebody. Amen? We don't have to be angry people, do we? Come on now, do we? We don't have to be angry. And if you find yourself getting angry, rebuke yourself. Say, self, stop it. (laughs) In the name of Jesus, stop it. I don't need to be angry like this. Anger does not work the righteousness of God. You see, the contrary has worked. Jesus takes it farther, and he says, be reconciled to an offended brother or sister. And if you're dealing with an adversary, for Pete's sake, make sure you settle that before it gets out of control. I noted when I, I began this message, and maybe it wasn't clear enough, but I want to make it super clear right now, incivility in our times tends to be an escalating factor in relationship. We see that on the national, international level. It just words escalate the threats, escalate possibly to violence. But listen, if you're a faithful follower of Jesus Christ, now I want you to hear this. If you're a faithful follower of Jesus Christ and he's reigning supreme in your heart, then you're about reconciliation. He has given you and me the ministry of reconciliation, right? And we're to be people who de-escalate. We're about de-escalation, not escalation. Because the world is about escalation all the time. It's how it kind of functions, by threats, and it's a manipulative, controlling way of kind of trying to get your way. Back in the day when I worked in the technical field at 3M, I used to read Dilbert all the time. Anybody know about the Dilbert comics? Yeah. You know why I read them? Because they were so true. And I have one today that's relevant to the topic we're talking, so let me read this for you. This guy says to Dilbert, I'll get that information to you by Tuesday. Dilbert responds, you seem unreliable. I'll schedule some time on Wednesday to hound you and more time on Friday to what? Escalate to your boss. Are you trying to be a jerk, he says to Dilbert. I'm experienced. It looks exactly the same. (laughs) This is the world. This is how it works. Escalation is the norm because we think we have to do that to get things accomplished. This seems to be going on in the international level between North Korea and us. We just escalate this. We get, this is how we accomplish and get what we want done, done. But listen, if you're a lover of Jesus Christ, are you a lover of Jesus Christ today? Amen? Whew. You guys are work. Are you a lover of Jesus Christ? Amen. Thank you. Then you should be about what? Reconciliation and de escalation, not escalation. You should bring a calming, Peace from Christ in the circumstances you find yourself in. I think there's a, 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 a myth I want to just demolish this morning with you. I think some of us think if I go out there, I can mess up following Jesus in the world and I'm going to mess somebody else's walk up or their, their ability to come to Jesus Christ. And there's, there's, there's this thought that for me to be an effective witness out there, I have to be perfect. No, you have to be real, authentic. And humble. You have to be one who readily admits I messed up and goes to the one that you messed up with and asks for forgiveness and makes that relationship right. They need to see that humbleness and that transparency and that authenticity, and that will speak way louder to them than you being perfect. Are any of you perfect? Good. I see his head going, no. I know I'm going to walk out of here and mess up. It may not be. Too far down the road, that I'll mess up, I'll get irritated at someone driving, or I'll do something that's not quite right, and I'll think, ah, can't even make it a block. It's not about perfection, it's about a heart rendered unto Jesus Christ that's humble and authentic, and it's willing to go to others, even our adversaries and even our enemies, and say, I was wrong, and and have that spirit of reconciliation. And had that kind of de escalation attitude. That's what the world needs to see. As Jesus continues on in Matthew 5, he brings us to some, I think, profound, deep thought on what it means to be a person of reconciliation and a person who de-escalates instead of an escalation person, what it means to be civil, what it means to really respect others. It's just it's so out of our, our way of thinking here. But we're going to read it all out together. It's, it's, it's actually Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 through part of 45. I want you to read this out loud with me. Here we go. Let's say it together. You heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Woof, duh, huh? This is talking about what could be if the people of God are really captured by the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus teaches us to love and pray for our enemies. Stop right here. This is a moment where you need to think with me. Who is one enemy that's coming to your mind right now? one annoying person one bugger one person when you see him coming you turn around and walk the other way one person that just grates on you who comes to mind right now you need to pray for them right you need to begin to intercede for that person do this exercise I'm sure you can think of one if not you will be able to Lately, I rediscovered this command by Jesus, and it's been powerful in my own life. If nothing else, it changes your heart, and that's the intention of it. Whenever I've been offended or attacked, whatever may be the case, every now and then I get a nice anonymous note, or I call it the flyby edifying remark, you know, kind of thing, and you go, really? Really? I have purpose to pray for that person. And it isn't a prayer like this, get them, God. Don't pray like that. I don't think God will answer that prayer anyway. It's a prayer that goes something like this, I, I just pray that you bless that person, God, that you fill them with your Holy Spirit, that you really begin to do a great work in their lives, and that you bless them. See, I want to speak blessing to them, not curses to them. So if you want to get on my prayer list, you can be a bugger. Don't do that, please. I'd rather pray for you out of the light of the heart, not the heaviness of a situation. But you know why we pray like that? It changes us. It changes our attitude so that we have a different attitude towards even our adversaries or our enemies. We begin to see them differently, and God does this transforming work in our hearts. When we begin to pray for our adversaries and our enemies and those who are despitefully misusing us and slandering us and saying all kinds of things, it changes you, amen? It changes your interaction and your heart attitude. I love Philippians chapter two. It's one of my favorite chapters of the whole Bible. And I love what verses three through four tell us. It says this, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather in humility, value others above yourselves not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of who? Others. There's civility. There is what it means to love your neighbor as yourself. There it is. It's to look at their interests above your own. So here's a reflection question I want to leave you with this morning. What kind of impact can we have, can you have, as a remnant if it's unholy living? Honoring others instead of a focus on getting out of the margins and getting back to what we think is the powerful position in culture. Now, when I use that word holy living, here's what I mean. Loving others. Because that's part of holy living in Leviticus. Remember, love your neighbor as yourself. And that means that the ABCs of that is beginning with what? Respect and civility. We can begin by showing respect and civility. Even if they don't deserve it, we do it because we love Jesus. And it's the way we respond, not because a person... Merits that response from us. How different would the church look if we did this, first of all, with one another? Amen? And with others we rub shoulders with. As remnant people, when we choose to be civil, not because people deserve it, but because we're captured by our love for Jesus Christ. We are stepping into holy living, and we become a holy influence on a very unholy culture. So important. You are called by Jesus to be civil in the midst of incivility. This is a tangible way that we love other people, and it may make, make all the difference in the world. Don't ever undersell, undersell. just being courteous and polite. How different that can be. I remember one of the big remarks made to me when I left 3M to, to, to uh, move here from, from Knoxville, Iowa and when I moved up here to Brookings years ago. One of the things that people said is, why are you so different? You don't swear at us. You don't get mad when situations don't go the way they should go. You look at people. Guess what? All I was doing was what? Being civil. Civil treating others like they matter. And I thought, this is easy. We can do it. You can do it. Amen. You can do it. Amen. I want you to say this. I can do this. Ready? I can do this. I can be a civil person.